The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This is Soulful Living on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Terry Williams. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of Soulful Living here at Empower Radio. Uh, The past few shows I've been talking about recovery and sobriety. I've been uh, sober, clean and sober for 27 years now. I remember the last Super Bowl party that I went to. Michael Jackson was the halftime show and it was it was a thriller, right? It was a thriller for me that night. That's for sure. Um, But anyway, I really feel like it's important to share real life stories and people that that have been walking this path and in various forms of recovery, because we are recovering every day from something. Um, I certainly go through these periods in my life where there's a struggle more so than not. And there's always really wonderful tools that can help you transcend where you are on the, the low, low ride of the, of the um, roller coaster. And Today, I'm chatting with my dear, sweet friend, Mallory Bales. She is, um, she's an angel. I think she's an earth angel here to (laughs) help people move through recovery, to fall in love with themselves, to find their inner self, reconnect with their inner self in a way that is beautiful and supportive and loving and I want to give a big shout out to our mutual friend, Bob Weed, who is this amazing kindness connector for bringing us together. So with all that said, welcome to Soulful Living, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to congratulate you for your 27 years of sobriety. You're slaying it, sister. That is incredible. And yeah, I just want to give you a high five over the ethers right now, because that is super extraordinary, so inspiring, and just so grateful to be walking this path with you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, thank you. You know, I I hope listeners, when you when the show's over, you'll go to Mallory's page. When you see her, she's just a light. And yeah. Mallory, you are like, uh, the first time I heard your voice, I thought, wow, you know, she she's really amazing. Um, you put out there your true self. You're so authentic and you've been on this path of, you know, rediscovering and reconnecting with your own sense of self-love and authenticity and sharing that with everybody to inspire them. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about your own path. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, speaking of authenticity and light and love, none of those were me. think five and a half years ago about is when I decided to change my entire life. It was Christmas of 2013. I could not keep living the way that I was anymore. From the time I was 14 to 24, I was a hardcore alcoholic. I started using drugs probably at 15, a lot of ecstasy. And I thought I was stupid and didn't think I had anything to offer to the world. So instead, I placed all of my extreme energy in partying and wanting to be this infamous Playboy model. 
So when I was 18, I started stripping and I was already an alcoholic, but because my, my lifestyle and my work was now parting, it took it to the next level for sure. And by the time I was 21, I moved to Las Vegas. I was drinking seven days a week. There was not a day for about four years that I did not drink. And I was using ecstasy and cocaine probably five days a week too. And wow. yeah, like my off days were drinking a bottle of wine, smoking a bunch of weed and binge and purging all day long. We would just eat all day long and then throw it all up. Like, wow. it was, and I thought that was normal. I'm like, Oh, day off. Let's just like eat and throw up and drink wine. Like this is a big day of recovery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so sick. And I just could not live that way any longer. I had all the things I wanted since I was a little girl. I had a brand new Audi TT and um, had sugar daddies who pay my rent in really nice apartments and had all the designer things that I always dreamed of. But one day I came home to my apartment with, uh, I think someone handed me $10,000 and I just threw it on the ground and I started bawling my eyes out. I was like, this cannot be the dream life. Like this can't be the good life that I always thought that I was wanting to live and that everyone hypes up in the media and in our society. And around that time, I, that was probably a month before Christmas. I went home to my family and my step grandfather asked me if I was a, basically asked me if I was a prostitute and I wasn't, but in that moment, I realized I could not keep living that way anymore. And I broke mm -hmm. down to my sister that night and I told her I had, I have no passions. I have nothing within me. I can't even have a conversation with anyone unless I'm drunk. Like I have to take a shot before even going to the gym. Cause I have such crazy social anxiety. I don't know what to do with myself. And she's like, maybe you should pick up a book. And at that time in my life, I would actually make a joke out of if people asked me what I was doing, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm at the library. Cause that was the last place on earth you would ever find me was at the library reading a book. And so that night I was creeping through my Instagram and there's this woman, Jennifer Stanos, who I adored because she lived in Hollywood and had a lot of like designer items and really great fashionista. And her tagline said, I live my life by the book, the secret. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Okay. Well, if she reads books, maybe I'll be into this book. Had no idea what the secret was. And from there on out, there's just a chain of events that led me to my awakening. And, um, it was really burning man of 2014. I decided to change my entire life. I met someone who saw me, he saw my potential. He saw my light beyond all of my flaws and handfuls of mushrooms and mollies and endless shots. And he was like, you're brilliant. And you're going to do incredible things with your life. I see you. And him seeing me and the power of burning man inspired me to go home, put all my stuff in storage, sell all my designer items so I could travel the world. And that led me to my sobriety date, May 9th of 2015. And I just fell in love with my spiritual path. I fell in love with my higher power and the vision of my potential and the vision of what we can create on this planet Earth when we all just surrender to the power of love. 
Mm. Well, and I really feel like that's kind of the definition of a higher power, whether you call it God, whether you call it, um, you know, Christ consciousness, that it's, it's love, you know, you fall in love, you fall in love with love. And that includes loving yourself. That's how you end up walking through the world. I mean, not that we're perfect, right? We're human. We have our, our moments of feeling disconnected from that. But I think it's so beautiful that that's where you fell into. Mm-hmm. And so from there, did you, um, did you go to AA? Did you mm-hmm. use some of the tools that you have? Did you get into yoga? What were some of the next steps and tools that you used to help you remain in that place of love? Yeah. So my first year of recovery was probably the hardest year of my life because everything that I was suppressing since 14 bubbled up to surface like a wild monster. And I had, uh, I struggled a lot with OCD and intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. and I meditated so, I mean, I still, I haven't missed a day of meditation in the past five and a half years, but I meditated a lot. Um, every single day, all day long, I would just keep my mind focused on the light. I listened to mantras all day long. I wouldn't watch anything on Netflix or any documentaries unless it was about awakening consciousness. I listened to Gabby Bernstein and Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, all the teachers, like they were music, their teachings. I read one self-help book after the next. I practiced yoga a couple times a day. Like I literally immersed myself head on into the light because if I wasn't focused on the light every single second, basically of every day, then my darkness would just completely take over me and swallow me whole. So I was just a woman on still am a woman on a mission to live in the light. I really had no other choice because the intrusive thoughts were so gnarly and so distressing. So I started off with yoga and meditation, um, discovered practices like tapping too, and tons of journaling. Um, and it wasn't until After my second yoga teacher training, I was in India and my mind was so, again, the intrusive thoughts were out of control and I was doing everything I could. Again, I was chanting all day long and doing all these practices and I just broke down. I was like, I don't know what to do at this point. Like, I just want to die because I can't handle my mind. Mm -hmm. And my roommate at the time was actually she was at the event that we were at together. Um, Kate, yeah, I was yes, thinking, Kate. Just thinking of that. I thought, wow, was that Kate? That yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So beautiful. So funny. Yeah, she was like, Mel, I really think that you would resonate with the 12 steps. But because I went to rehab a couple of times when I was younger and was forced into those 12 steps, I had a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But at that point, I believed way too much in divine guidance and synchronicity. So I was like, you know what? I got to surrender. I'm going to try AA when I get back from India. So this was six months after I got sober 
in Bali that I decided that I was going to surrender to the program. And yeah, my mind, the intrusive thoughts really, really started to clear up after I started working the steps. I realized how intense my spiritual ego was, like so, so intense. I thought that I was way better than everyone in AA because I was a yogi and I was so spiritual and they weren't as spiritual as me. And so funny because that is the last thing from what a quote unquote spiritual person would think. But again, self-love, self-forgiveness. I was doing the best that I could. And I think that the most powerful aspect of the 12 steps is, well, all of it, but the essence and the um, emphasis of service and helping others. And I was still so disconnected from that. And when I started putting my heart and soul into really helping others and constantly keeping on my mind, you know, like, how can I reach out? How can I shift the suffering into purpose by reaching my hand to someone else? That is when a lot of the intrusive uh, thoughts just organically started to dissipate. Mm. You know, you had um, shared a link to the kindness uh, life life jacket, kindness life jacket, mm-hmm. and they had a test on there. And one of the questions was, do you find that uh, being in service elevates your life? Uh, you know, what percentage? And I think it was 90% was the correct answer. And so as you're saying that, it, it fully resonates that. And I have believed this for my entire life. If you want to change your life, help somebody else. Yes. You know, if you, if you want to elevate your own life, help somebody else, Mm -hmm. even if it's just with a smile, it doesn't have to be some, you know, extravagant purchase or change in their lives. But if you can shift your consciousness to being of service to somebody else and helping them change their own life in some way, so that totally, totally makes sense. And knowing you, uh, as I have this last year, I see that in you that, you are such a light of service and I can see where it affected you and how that would help to eliminate some of those intrusive thoughts that you may have had about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for that reflection. It means so much to me. And something that I believe is the greatest way to embody God, the divine source, whatever you want to call it, as you said in the beginning, is it's love. So if we want to really embody this power that's within us, this sacred energy that that is us, the best way to do that is to extend love. I love in A Course in Miracles, it states the only thing ever lacking is the love that we're not extending. And I've done a lot of research on the power of kindness and altruism. And something that I've learned is that there's something called helper's high. So it actually, like you were just saying, it, inc- uh, it increases the serotonin and dopamine levels. And the research that I read said that it actually creates more dopamine than ecstasy or any other intoxicant even does. So it just makes sense that when we reach our handout, it naturally elevates us to this higher frequency where these lower vibrational thoughts just can't exist. So even if, you know, the event that we, we hosted in Michigan, 
sometimes it can be really freaking uncomfortable. I had to completely rewire my entire being to live from love because I didn't believe I was love because I thought that being the mean girl was cool. Regina George was my idol. And so every single day I had to really lean into that sharp edge of what it felt like to have an open heart. And the more that we do that, the more it does become a default. And a lot of the chaos within our minds starts to subside because we're just so much more embodied in the truth of who we really are underneath all of the false identifications. Yeah. I love what you said about um, becoming your default, right? One of my favorite quotes is learn, unlearn, relearn. I can't remember who said it right now, but our default has been this false sense of reality that we learned based upon our addictive behaviors. And whether that's food, whether that's drugs, whether it's alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever it was, that was our that was our default. That's yeah. where we went. And that's what we learned. Mm-hmm. And so then we relearn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we unlearn and then we relearn. We relearn and the default becomes kindness, mm-hmm. loving kindness, self-love, connection, mm-hmm. connection in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see that you guys that you, right, you and this, um, you mentioned the event that you brought to Michigan. We'll talk about that too. But that's what I see that you're offering is you're offering people the opportunity to reconnect with who they are mm-hmm. through love and to relearn mm-hmm. new tools that are going to help them mm-hmm. move to the next level of consciousness and feel truly good about who they are. Yes. Right? <laughs> Okay. And so since we brought that up, let's talk about lean into kindness. Lean into kindness was an event that you um, brought to Michigan with a group of just beautiful, lovely souls. Let's talk about that. Okay. What was that? So lean into kindness was an event with a soul family tribe I'm part of called elevation. And we, explored what it means to live from an open heart, from kindness. And like I mentioned a little bit ago, it does require leaning into an edge sometimes. So the whole workshop was about leaning into that edge and uh, experimenting with intimate eye gazing with others and two or three minute hugs and all of these different practices that we're not really accustomed to in our every single day life so that we can really deepen our intimate connection and authentic relating with the humans around us. Because we do live as humans so much usually in this default, this roboticness where we are closed off so often. And something that I really emphasize during that event too, is maybe just one time a day, instead of trying to place so many expectations on ourselves, especially if we're not used to living with an open heart. Maybe it's one time we notice that we're wanting to close off and instead opening up the wings of our heart. Instead of trying to do it like 500 times a day. And like we were just saying, the more that we practice something, the more it becomes our default. One of my teachers, I just 
was studying Tibetan Buddhism in Nepal and actually altruistic love. It was so epic. And one of my teachers kept emphasizing, we get good at what we practice. And living with an open heart is a practice. And maybe it just starts with that intention. Just one time today, I'm going to notice when I'm like running off and not answering the phone or whatever it is. And I'm going to choose to counteract because that's how we create a new life for ourselves is creating new habit patterns. And we create new habit patterns by counteracting the ego. So we notice the the contraction, the bitterness, the whatever it is. And we choose to soften, forgive ourselves and open up instead. So that was something that we talked about and so many other juicy topics for sure. And what is the future of lean into kindness? Is this something that you guys may uh, bring about again, not just to Michigan, but anywhere? I don't know right now. I believe that we are going to continue to uh, create this movement together. Um, We're talking about hosting an event in Arizona sometime in the spring. And we've also chatted about hosting another one before the barefoot and free yoga festival in Michigan next summer. So our intention is to really create this revolution of kindness. There's so much, uh, focus. I feel like these days on creating these revolutions and, um, yeah, these movements, but so many of them are still centered in divisiveness and Mm -hmm. hatred and, me versus them mentality and like even feminism it's great and it's all about human equality but i find in a lot of feminist circles there's so much hatred still and right at the end of the day what will really transform the consciousness of this planet is when we choose to live from love and that doesn't mean the kind of love that's people pleasing and letting people walk all over you but just the essence of really wanting other people to be happy and wishing for them to be well. And Mm. that's actually something while studying with Buddhist monks and lamas and nuns, uh, the topic of altruistic love, I asked them, what does altruism mean to you? And every single one said, well, that's bodhicitta. That's what it's called in Buddhism. And that means wishing for other people to be happy and doing whatever you can to act accordingly. And I think that we we forget that we all want to be happy and no one wants to suffer. And so, so many of these movements are, are centered in human equality and justice. But at the end of the day, if you're wishing for other people to suffer, how is there ever going to be true liberation on this planet? So elevation is really that return to our center, to our birthright of altruistic love of bodhicitta Mm. mindset so that we can truly wish for all beings to be happy, healthy, and free and move from this space of, of liberating, um, rather than, yeah, just more separation. Well, and I love that you truly in your coaching practice, truly inspire people to find that sense of love within themselves. You know, we, we only have a couple minutes left, but I really want to, I really want to let the listeners know that everything that Mallory is talking about is something that she also offers within her one-on-one coaching sessions. And that 
learning to celebrate the love of who you really are and shine that light out is such a beautiful element of your life that will help you help you transcend out of any situation. And Mallory's the person to get you there. She's going to help you get through that and tap into that inner sense of love. And if you have listened to her story, you know that she's kind of dug herself out of the trenches and really allowed herself to shine. So, uh, Mallory, we only have a couple minutes left, and I really want to say thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing that light of love that you truly are on listeners. All of Mallory's information is available here on the Soulful Living page at Empower Radio. And Mal, I love for my guests to leave the listeners with something that they can take out into the day to, let's use the word elevate, right? To elevate their soul, to elevate their life in some way. What would that be for you? Okay, so I would love to share this practice that I have been working with that elevates the f out of me. It's so good. So the the seed of enlightenment that is within Buddha, Christ, Mary Magdalene, whomever also exists within us. So I find it so inspiring and helpful when I'm identified with the false sense of self, the darkness, the bitterness to remember that that same seed lies within me and I'll close my eyes and I'll actually envision myself as the Buddha with light surrounding me. And I'll sit there no matter how sharp the sensations are or what I'm feeling, I smile at it. And I imagine this glow and this aura of white light surrounding me. And I just really nurture and water that seed of enlightenment with my breath. And then I pray to show up as these enlightened masters would. So I feel like for me, really tapping into that seed of enlightenment by envisioning myself as that master or my screensavers, the Dalai Lama. And I constantly go back to how would the Dalai Lama respond? Would he be greedy like this? Would he be sharp like this? No, no. The Dalai Lama would not do that. His holiness definitely would not. So Mm. really connecting to these different enlightened masters and remembering that the same exact potential lies within us and using them as a role model to elevate, inspire, and empower ourselves and the world. Mm, That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. And I see you. I see the listeners and I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love you.